you know how in wine, like sometimes like when somebody's describing it, they'll say, oh yeah, that was a good year. Mm-hmm. It sucks that if there's any good wine from like 2016 or 20, or, or this contemporary period, nobody can actually say that. Hmm. Yeah. You're saying the, the geopolitical climate kind of outweighs I think the maybe the benefits tell. of a... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> Yeah, you know, all all the uh, the Riesling is super partisan. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so back to what I was originally going to uh, to ask or say. Um, yeah, I, I want to know, and then I know it's going to hit close to home, but I want an honest answer out of this because I was thinking about it. Um, what which comes first, the Lakers make the playoffs, or the Democrats take control of the Senate? The Lakers make the playoffs. Hmm. You think they're going to get better in four years? Yeah. Why? Based off of their um, very mixed start to this year. They, most of their guys on their roster are only under a one-year contract. LeBron's on for the next few, but a majority of their other guys are only signed for this season. So if this team doesn't work out, then they're going to essentially have an entirely new roster or have the option of having an entirely new roster next year so is her name genie bus who's who's yes yeah i was listening to an interview with her and but isn't that the problem they had where they just cycled through coaches like every 18 months so how 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 is rebuilding the team and um effectively gonna how's that how's that gonna work because isn't the advantage that the like the um the dynasty giants and the warriors had was that they we're able to get talent on the cheap and young and kind of build a cohesive team over time that became powerhouses. If you're just rebuilding the team every year, how does that play out? Well, it, it may or may not. Um, but, you know, I would say that the odds of that working out are better than <laughs> the the Senate map for Democrats. You don't think the Democrats are going to... Um are going to be able to rebuild the, uh, just get new players every year. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Um, have you, let me send you a link. Did you, what, what site, well, you were mainly 538, but did you use any other sites to track the, um, the election results? I was using, I stayed away from the needle on mm-hmm. the New York times website, but I did use what you just linked to, which we'll put in the notes here, which was there just kind of actual results page, which, you know, it's kind of kind of funny about elections. They're obviously just extensively covered wall to wall. It's surprisingly difficult just to get like raw vote counts. Mm-hmm. And the, the New York Times website was kind of the only good option that I found for that. Well, do they subtract all the fake ones? Uh, well, no, because they're the liberal failing oh, time shit, yeah. so they 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 keep all the fake ones in there mm-hmm. yeah all these ballots just turned up yeah mm-hmm. um so the reason i link to this is that and you, you can put this link in the show notes is that um this is this is something that's very upsetting and we've we, we, like this has been a subtext of like my, many elections recently but also i think it's something that we've talked about um probably online offline where if you can you can flip between they have uh, the data visualized for um the national map uh, two different ways. You can see the geographic map, but they also have a um, cartogram based off of population density. And it's really upsetting. 
Yeah, but what's Trump going to do? Show the cartogram to world leaders? That's that's not nearly as impressive. Um, yeah. What was the, the uh, never? It doesn't. Matter. That was another. You know, I guess we we should like almost like reflect back on some of our favorite Darth tweets every week while he's out. <laughs> um, <laughs> early on in the Trump presidency, that was a favorite meme of mine. Is <laughs> he would he would take photos of Trump usually talking to other leaders or members of Congress. And if he was ever holding a piece of paper or pointing at a chart or something, he would Photoshop in the <laughs> electoral map and then put some kind of funny caption. Yeah. But the thing is, that's not really a meme. Like that, that he <laughs> literally did that or probably continues to. Yeah. He just <laughs> like, I don't know, like FedEx Kinko's just made too many copies and he just shoves that in front of every foreign dignitary that comes into the Oval Office. <laughs> you know, you know, what a dump. Um, and, and also last political thing is that, um, can you, do you remember, uh, like four weeks ago when everybody was losing their mind over Kavanaugh? Like, can you, like, do you, all the scandals that have just gone out of memory in like not even a month? It's, yeah, I was thinking about that the last few days actually. And it's even worse than in the past two years. Like there's been a lot of one. I think it, um, I mean, not to trivialize what's going on in our um, politics, because that's obviously one of the more important things. But I, I think the same rules kind of apply to everything now. Like even what would used to be like major sports stories that would kind of linger for days or even weeks. Like even like the LeBron to the Lakers thing felt like it just kind of like happened. And then, you know, nobody really talked about it afterwards yeah but that's i don't know it just it feels like every like nothing really like but that's like a nothing now. story though well but i but if, if you think back to and i don't know you're not as like plugged into the nba maybe as as i am but like him going to miami in 2010 and then coming back to cleveland in 2014 those were huge huge stories especially the miami thing in 2010 and there, there's a part of it which is just due to the way that it was announced with like the live TV broadcast and everything. Whereas when, when he sat with the Lakers, he literally just put out a one sentence press release through his, either through his agent or through his publicist or whatever. But, you know, even putting aside the initial announcement, that move to Miami lasted weeks in the news in 2010. And it just, I don't know, stuff just doesn't stick around like that anymore. But that's back when like the government was on like Roomba mode. Like, well, but I guess like maybe that's maybe that's what I'm getting at. And maybe that's like the question I want to throw out there is, is it our political situation that's kind of bleeding out into everything else or it's, it's two is things. it so so it's it's that it's the political cycle and it's also the um, proliferation of smartphones and the Internet, like the atomization of our attention. Like Jesus, Um like we talked about this a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about like, I just can't focus on anything anymore. Is that like just how good in, in, in air quotes, um, smartphones and smartphone apps have gotten at capturing every waking moment. Internet has gotten fast enough and prevalent uh, or uh, pervasive enough everywhere we are. And the advent of like push notifications, like just everything is so atomized and just it, it's killing your attention span. Like that's why the stories format on Instagram has gotten so popular is because everything's consumable in six seconds, so no no story has enough time to marinate where anything can actually even last anymore. So even if, God help us, in 2020 we get a, a normal president, 
and we have um <laughs> let's make a joke let's say elizabeth warren is our president in 2020 and everything goes back to normal um it, our, our attention everything is still gonna be broken and we're not gonna focus on anything because we we just need this constant rush of news like it's not going to return to normalcy it's not just uh the trump administration that's caused this it's, it's a lot of other things but like yeah that the news and life is never gonna be the same yeah something that's maybe just personal to me i don't know if you've experienced this too but with mediums like twitter and, and i guess like maybe rss too like these these ways of reading where you're just kind of flipping through short bursts of text really quickly has made it more difficult for me to like sit down and read something a little more long form. And I've, I've been trying to be on like Twitter and RSS a little bit less and I've been trying to read longer form writing more often just to kind of, I don't know, hone, <laughs> hone my, uh, hone my attention a little better i guess okay so let's let's have you this week let's have you split together and edit basically the episode from three weeks ago because i think you've finally come around to my point of view which is that so much of this bite-sized atomized information thing where we're just whether it be twitter where people are having to write super inflammatory headlines to get anybody to even take more than a second look at it and if it doesn't have like a picture or a thumbnail in it nobody's gonna look at it like, yeah, it makes it hard to enjoy anything else. Like where, where I would commonly, like where I kept saying that, like, I can't like watch TV or a movie if my phone's within reach. Cause I'll just, I'll just do something else. Or, like, even though something might be stimulating in front of me, I just, I can't pay attention where, yeah. Like you, like, did you, re did you read the, I know this is kind of like blunting topics, but did you read the, um, thing from a month ago that everybody already forgot? where the New York Times did that extensive, exhaustive reporting on all the uh, tax fraud schemes the Trump companies did? I never read that in its entirety, no. <laughs> because it was so long. Uh, well, I don't know. It, 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 I mean, there, there was part of that, but that, I guess the other thing was The Daily did a special on the article, and I felt like I kind of got the highlights through that. <laughs> and that's the thing, where, yeah, even with podcasting, where stuff can either be <laughs> where a, a, a what could be a 2000 word article is now like an entire season of serial like so podcasting can either greatly condense or also um uh elongate a particular topic but yeah attention's hard and i, and I, th I think not to be super doom and gloom about it but i think we're all fucked like i mean i just think you can't undo this and the same thing like we're like god help kids where they're just um staring at youtube all day on ipads and with like autoplay and that kind of stuff like they're just watching five minute videos one after another that are just showing them like just bright colors and sounds like it, it's not even just an adult problem like the next generation is is royally screwed yeah i've been i've been thinking about that and i don't yeah i don't i don't know what the answer is yeah how are, how are you managing brand screen time <laughs> Lots of fetch and at least two walks a day. Mm-hmm. Pretty good. Um, uh, I, I have to admit, maybe just the last little bit on this topic, just mm -hmm. to make this a little more lighthearted. Mm -hmm. um, I see. kind of thought you were making up the word atomized. No, no. But I, I've just looked it up, and it's, it's very much a real world, a real word. And I, I have to say that I'm, I'm impressed. 
that I know English? Wait, what? <laughs> no, I, I just I think that's a, I don't know, it's a smart sounding word. Oh, you betcha. Yeah, what's the, um, <laughs> what's, what am I other, and I think Barbaro used this a couple times, and it was one of my favorite words before he used it, but I love the word effectuate. And that's a, that's a word that's gotten a lot of traction in the um, era of executive orders and, and bullshit government. Uh yeah, yeah, or yeah. I'm I'm, I'm glad you joined the, the attention party. Yeah, I'm I'm just trying to be a little more aware of it. Yeah, that's why. Like, yeah, yeah, that's why kicking Twitter is is away is good. But it's also there's no matter what it is, everything's gonna kill you. Well, and this is a, you know, th- this is like the kind of the ultimate first world problem, but <laughs> I guess, I mean, the other thing is just, I guess, as you get older and life gets more complicated, there's just, there's just less time in the day for long form reading. And then I, I do it less and, you know, kind of lose my attention muscle towards it. Yeah. Um, and quick scheduling note, we're, we're not going to have an episode next week uh, due to the Thanksgiving holiday. But um, what, over the next week or so, I want you to try to not do anything for 30 minutes and see if you can do it. That You know what? That I'm actually pretty good at. But what I does think. not doing anything mean? I can, like, I can just like go for a walk and not need no phone a podcast yeah no phone no podcast um huh with or without the dog I, either way i mean these days it's you know mostly with the dog but prior prior to pre-brand as you can say <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah i could i could very much do that I, i've always i've always been that way since i'm since i was a little kid i, I could i could be that way they they let you walk to the mailbox and tune <laughs> right yeah um i assume in your house you also had the thing where like every 12 houses had a mailbox it wasn't that's just how no we, we had we had individual mailboxes we were oh, kind yeah. of we were kind of in like that older older side of mission viejo hey oh oh now people are gonna oh man you've doomed us <laughs> um yeah okay well, that that's that's good, um, but yeah, that that seems like that's uh, an increasingly difficult thing. Uh, the the um, the not doing anything for thirty minutes, not walk to the mailbox. <laughs> want to start the show? Yeah, we, let's go ahead. And you want to? All right, you click record. Mm, that's the thing. Uh, other stray bits. I I have no agenda this week, so this episode is going to be all over the place. You brought up a thing where uh, Jody Avergan of the Five Thirty Eight Media Empire, which is now a subsidiary of uh, ABC News, which is a subsidiary of Disney, which uh, is a subsidiary of Disney Plus. Um, <laughs> he, we'll, we'll get to that maybe. Um, he he did a thing about M and M's. Can you quickly re read or re re um re explain the tweet? So I guess this, it was something along the lines of a, a tweet thread that got started where it, people were calling out kind of like trivial things that they've boycotted. So the exact quote here is from uh, Nicole Cliff, and she says, okay, I am hearing some pretty good boycott stories coming. What is the pettiest reason you refuse to shop or patronize a given store or brand? 
and Jody's response to this, which is what you're referring to, is I've never eaten a blue M&M in my life. I felt that the addition of blue was unnecessary and upset the existing balance of colors. I won't eat M&Ms in a movie theater because I can't see the color and don't want to accidentally eat a blue one. So this one, I, I bring this up only one. I I misread it so badly. <laughs> you did. <clears throat> or I I um, read it. Speaking as he's of speaking a... of uh, attention span. No, no, I I thought I gave it my like I I I gave it my full attention, but somehow I got out of that tweet. Oh, he's colorblind. <laughs> um, and then because there's a lot of new, there's a lot of stuff in there where um, it was not expressly said that it's your explanation was that theaters are dark and you might uh, not see which color you're eating, which makes it entirely more went uh, a far more sense. But I I apparently did not pick up on that. But I, I bring this up only because I was doing some research, and apparently Wikipedia has already taken it down. I was looking at the uh, the Wikipedia entry for M&Ms, which is um, extremely long, uh, as as one would expect. Um, and then under the product history, uh, in 1996, there's a thing about M&M minis. And I put a link to the diff page, because like, on Wikipedia, anytime somebody edits something, you can always see what the difference between the two versions were. And I just thought this part was funny, where... In 1996, Mars introduced M&M Minis, smaller candies usually sold in plastic tubes instead of bags. And then the version I saw online was they are twice as good as regular M&Ms, which I thought that was funny. But I had never encountered a Wikipedia page as it was actually defaced. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Although I would maybe make the perhaps unpopular argument that this is not a defacing of the Wikipedia page. And in fact... M&M minis were probably twice as good as regular M&Ms. I really liked the M&M minis. Why, why are you saying past tense? Do, do, they, 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 still, they still make those? I, I don't know. I, I feel like I haven't seen one of those. Like, I had totally forgotten that those were even a thing. Yeah, those were good. But that was during that weird era of the 1990s where, like, do you remember uh, Bunch of Crunch? Mm, sounds like vaguely familiar. But... Yeah, it's a weird thing where they tried to make uh, Crunch bars bite-sized. It, it was kind of, it was, it was a mixed bag. Um, did they, did they come in bags or, uh, plastic tubes like the mini M&Ms? They came generally, I think, cause the, the variety pack at Costco in the mid nineties included, um, it was like a movie theater style box. Like, you know, that those little, um, plastic cartons or the, the, the paper cartons kind of like the size of two cassette tapes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, never been a huge M&M person. I think regular M&Ms are gross. I think peanut M&Ms are fine. Peanut butter M&Ms, pretty great, but you might as well just have Reese's Pieces and get get on with your life. You know, we, so actually the, the, you would, you'd be able to relate to this. We made a Reese's Pieces inspired dessert, which you, oh, which yeah, you yeah. enjoyed um, mm -hmm. last Halloween. And Reese's Pieces, might as well be eight months ago. <laughs> Surprisingly hard to find. I had to go to two what? different stores, yeah, to find Reese's pieces, and they not not that they were sold out, but just like like Safeway, at least the one here locally, just does not carry Reese's pieces. So I had to had to go to the Walgreens. <laughs> the Walgreens, um, yeah, just like the four or five. Um, mm -hmm. Another thing related, sorry, not immediately following up on what you said that you should try out one day is that they actually make uh, Reese's um, baking chips. Yes, I, I've I've seen these. Have never used them, but am intrigued. 
Yeah, these are pretty good. Um, they also, one of the laziest products ever made, almost on par with Disney Plus, is they have um, Butterfinger baking chips or something, which is basically just like literally they ground up a bunch of Butterfingers <laughs> and shoved it in a bag, which is which is very, very lazy. Like put- You know how like some manufacturers will sell you the uh, like manufacturer defects where they'll have some small nick or something on them and then mm-hmm. they'll still sell them to you for 40% off? I feel like that's like there's just all these Butterfingers that have some kind of defect to the point where they can't be sold. So they just crush them up and then sell them in these the baking chip thing. Yeah, just like how Apple uh, makes uh, Mac minis out of iPhones. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Factory seconds. Yep. Uh, is there anything else? I got to look at my little notes. Um... <laughs> oh, last political thing, even though I already said the last thing was uh, political. And this, and this you can uh, bleep if you want to, but there was um, a pretty good tweet uh, from this one guy. I don't know. He's, he's kind of famous, but famous for, wrong, for the wrong reasons. Uh, the, my latest op-ed, will Dems work with us or simply put partisan politics ahead of the country? Who do you think said that? Is that the, is that the turtle guy? Fuck this guy. Oh, my God. And also, if you actually click through to the Fox News article... Um, it doesn't have him looking as turtly as can possibly be. <laughs> um, fuck you. Oh, yeah. Where, it's, where... <laughs> it's pretty infuriating. Uh, where's Merrick Garland's confirmation hearing? Mm-hmm. What was, what was his, um, cause he double like the, uh, the daily did a good thing where, um, uh, where Newt Gingrich kind of, um, set into motion the whole opposition politics thing. But, um, Mitch McConnell, like doubled tripled and then like exponentially doubled down on that whole thing what was the thing that mcconnell said uh he won't let obama get like any meaningful uh legislation passed what was yeah i mean in 2010 there was the quote that was something along the lines of you know our number one goal in congress is going to be to ensure that obama is a one-term president and that he essentially doesn't accomplish anything and, and and he's referred to the whole Merrick Garland situation as like his crowning achievement, right? Isn't that, isn't, hasn't he said something along the lines of well, yeah, just, like, just the, like Paul Ryan trying to take away, dreaming of uh, taking away entitlement programs and and uh, Medicare for seniors uh, since he was doing keg stands. So it 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 absolutely pains me to my core to acknowledge this, but did you see that little video today of Paul Ryan and Romney? No, you should, it's it's literally like ten or twelve seconds long. You should look it up. It's Romney because it, I guess it was like Senate like orientation today, um, and so Romney was going to his office and ran into Paul Ryan, and it, it seems like it's the first time they've seen each other in some time. And oh God, uh, I it, forgot it, they. Paul yeah. Ryan was his vice. Yeah. Um, and it's it, it's Their actually like believe in America, yeah, too uh, fucking late, bud. Um, it's actually I mean, like it it's again. It pains me to say this, but kind of kind of great. So it's but. like one of the, it's so it's like the when George W. Bush did the things with uh, Barney the dog. <laughs> exactly, <you're laughs> like right. like it's pretty good, but also I'm I'm very conflicted about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but what, how is Romney in the Senate? I thought he was governor of California now. Of California, yeah. I, are you making a joke? I don't get it. I am. 
I didn't, I didn't. I didn't follow that one. <laughs> Gavin Newsom is progressive, Mitt Romney. Uh, yeah. Okay. I, 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 like I, I, I see what, I see what you're yes. saying there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right. Career, What's, career politicians, look back here. Mm-hmm. Bad Romney, person. Romney. Romney's actually. Well, no. Romney was like, I think, a fairly wholesome guy i mean he's not dead <laughs> he is a is a fairly wholesome guy whereas he was like, po- he was posthumously a made ascender like, like gavin newsome is, is he's 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 like been divorced and everything right oh you and and worse or sorry well and other stuff yeah 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 what's in follow fa- family, family friendly show <laughs> I, I that is literally my the entirety of my contribution. A very messy intro. The rest of this is just you. So what's in follow up? Um, well, so I, oh, we're we're doing follow up. Um, is there so other stuff? Uh, no, no, we we can we can go in the traditional order. That's fine. I mean, I'm still a little rattled by you bringing Chef's Corner to the beginning of the episode last week. So you know, just getting my bearings still. Wait, so what uh, what else do you have in the intro or in the in the thing? Well, no, I'm just I'm not I'm not used to driving here, so I'm just I'm just you know. I'm stalling as I, I figure out a, a plan here. Um, yeah, sorry, it was it was it was a weird day. Uh, Apple Apple TV screensavers. So you you're a big fan of these. You and you and Mike Hurley are like number one and number two. You don't have to leave your TV on sometimes, and you're just like, wow, that's pretty impressive. Some, sometimes I do. Hmm. Um, I feel like I'm I've I've now gotten used to the 4K OLED thing now. Like that's that's now like my that's <laughs> that's my baseline for for video quality now. So do you just walk um, around upset all day? Just like every, every <laughs> screen you look at, you're like, "This God, the black holes are terrible." Basically, that's yeah, basically. Um, so they, so I, when you sent me this, I started paying a little more attention, and it seems like they've shot new ones because I, I don't think these are the same San Francisco shots as before. Well, here's the thing: so re, not, uh, delayed posthumous real time follow up. Uh, the San Francisco one, it doesn't have Salesforce Tower in it. So that really makes me think it's an upscaled old one. Yeah, but I, it's an old one that I don't think they previously used. Oh, these are factory seconds Apple TV screensavers. <laughs> exactly. Made from old back minis. Um, uh, yeah, that's... Yeah, I'm just all about like those um, International Space Station ones. Like, they're really good. Yeah, it took took a while for those to start filtering into my Apple TV, but they started doing so a week or two ago. And yeah, they're they're pretty great. They almost don't look real. No, not at all. Um, so anyway, I guess if you've been a while since you've turned on your Apple TV screensaver, uh, do so. Mm. There's a great there's a great little tool that you can actually have those screensavers also be the screensaver on your Mac. Yeah, I think it's on GitHub. It was a project called yeah. Ariel, and it's it's pretty uh, A E R I A L, not Ariel, the Helvetica knockoff thing. Yeah, I I use that and and, and quite quite like it. Mm-hmm. Um, Pandora, our old friends at Pandora, they have been talking a big game with podcasts for some time. I think their their current CEO has has been kind of uh, bullish, as you would say, on podcasts. And they've uh, finally rolled out their podcast recommendation engine, which they've referred to in the past as kind of being, you know, what they've done for music discovery. They're now hoping to bring to podcasts. Um, I, as someone who just kind of perpetually has an enormous podcast debt, I'm I'm not the target audience here who is like 
trying to seek out new podcasts. Like the idea of having a bunch of new podcasts thrown at me sounds <laughs> like the exact opposite of what I want, but I, I get that I'm I'm probably in the minority there. Yeah, maybe. Uh, can I hop in real quick and have some? It, this isn't really follow up, but it's it's very related to podcasting. Mm-hmm. I know you're you're um, religiously devoted to Overcast, but Pocket Cast six or Pocket Casts seven came out today, and it's really really good. And the re- like one of the people who have listened to the show for a while will remember like uh, I'm such a big fan of it just because uh, one Pocket Cast is cross platform. But that also doesn't mean it's just kind of a crappy version on all platforms. Like they actually have good Android and iOS developers. And the iOS one is rock solid. It's really good. They have a Mac client. But specifically with version 7 that just came out, um, it has a listening history. So if you are ever like unsure of what you listen like you're like, oh, I, I, I listened to a really good episode of whatever on Wednesday, but I don't remember what episode it was. You can go look that up. That's really cool. Um, but also you can search uh, podcast archives and episodes. That's really neat. And also you can listen to episodes of podcasts from the directory without subscribing, which seems like a really weird oversight, but it's fixed now. So I'm super happy about that. So yeah, o- go check over- that out. Overcast has had the single episode listening for a while and you can either stream or download. Uh, the The history thing sounds really, really cool. Like something like that would be maybe enough for, for me to at least consider trying it. Um but I don't know. I I I continue to really like Overcast. The the UI on uh Pocket Casts has always been something that I've gotten kind of hung up on. Like the the just <laughs> you you really dislike the grid of uh, of uh album art. Uh, yeah, I really do. It it gives me flashbacks to what what do they try to make uh, album flow or what was that called it's not, it's the, not cover flow cover, cover flow, flow was the um like I the steve jobs during, about that. during the original um iphone keynote just flipping back and forth through like his collection of records like that yeah, but then that remember is. like they brought it to the mac and it was like oh yeah they like, the, tried to pitch it as being like the default way to look at files and it was like what no Ugh. well yeah but just just nobody that, why are you computing on your mac you're using your ipad <laughs> um yeah, so no, but the thing is, like, one, you can have it in a simple list. Like, that's totally an option. I think we've covered that in the past. But I actually, I actually like the cover flow view. Or not the... God, gosh darn it. <laughs> it's, it's just like... No, it's just a standard grid pattern. Um, but no, yeah, I, I've, I've been a huge fan of podcasts. And this solves two... Like, my only two complaints about the app are now solved. And one thing that I didn't know I wanted is now there. So I'm, I'm, I'm super happy. And again, as somebody who loves the Mac... I, I'm so pleased that they have a. It's not. It's 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 an Electron app. It's not um, a native native Mac app, but it's very good and the syncing is perfect and it it'll it makes my podcast life easier. So very good. I had I had forgotten that they had been acquired. And oh yeah, they're owned by NPR. There, yeah. So this is kind of I think their first big update since that's happened. Mm-hmm. I think Terry had a lot to say about it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um. So sorry, please continue. Um, well, I think that's that's all that I've got in the follow up out in sideways whatever sections. Mm-hmm. All right, so what we got? On to the new stuff then. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chip and JoJo, they're back. Oh, that's 
Okay, so that's the other re- I'm, way I'm I was going to start this surprised, episode. Yeah, I was surprised the intro didn't relate to this. No, because I, I actually thought about this, because when you sent me the link, I was like, is that the fastest I've ever been wrong <laughs> on an episode where literally before the ap- actual episode is edited and published, I have been proven wrong on one of my predictions? And yeah, I, I, I was doubling down on the, or I, I was betting hard on the idea that they were going to have a... Um, a Netflix or Amazon show, and like within like twelve hours of us recording, uh, no, they're making another series with Discovery, and also uh, where's the thing? Um, they may be um, pursuing an entire like kind of like the Oprah Network. It'll be the Gaines Network, where they're going to have their own lifestyle TV network with. Um, is it Discovery Media or is it still called Scripps that owns HGTV? I guess in a lot of the articles that I read, I just heard them being referred to as discovery yeah, so probably, there's probably some MA or something but yeah maybe um yeah i mean why <laughs> why have one show when you can just have uh an entire network yeah the uh the waco tribune herald um uh i i, I wouldn't think the plural of gains is gaineses hmm yeah i think that's maybe that's polarizing that's a that's that's a texas thing probably the announcement coincides with the gaineses Appearance Friday night on The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon, along with fellow guest Mark Wahlberg, who, as we've covered previously, <laughs> maybe, um, again, Chicken and Egg Problem has a reality TV show where he makes hamburgers, and maybe they made a restaurant afterward or before. I don't know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't remember. Um, I guess, though, the other thing that I had seen in some of the news around this was that i guess netflix had been pursuing them so you weren't you weren't wrong in thinking that was a possibility but oh so again, i mean i, made, I made the wrong guess for hq2 <laughs> wait sorry oh no 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 um what what would it be no it's it's magnolia farm what's their house called the ranch i haven't watched Foot fixer up in a few months the, the the farm i think is what they usually refer to it as yeah yeah uh farming hq2 no that's uh, not it's not doing it also on this waco tribune herald story they quote a joanna Gaines tweet um at chip Gaines may or may not have gotten a little ahead of himself and let the cat out of the bag about something big one billion percent they did not write either of those two tweets and that's all bs yeah that's that's probably right i guarantee uh, jojo has like a team of 20 people that run her life for her which is well, great I, yeah i y- you know that's but i don't think she's doing her own tweet. i i am sure they are both wonderful bit, people oh yeah but but, uh, but when you reach a certain level of like like she's she's not doing the thumbs and getting the tweets out that's well and that's i think that's one of the 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 things where the the show breaks down a little bit for me mm-hmm. because oh, she's the one in google sketchup doing doing the house things well right and you know chip is the one literally hammering in every nail and knocking down every wall and joanna is <laughs> making every design decision and picking out every piece of furniture like mm, mm-hmm. there may have been a time where that was the case but that was yeah well while she's also picking shades of paint for target <laughs> exactly yeah so i you know you, you don't want to think about that stuff too hard you have to like i and i don't fault him for it um, well no so i guess so i i don't in any way fault them for it but i well, guess no, but it's also like their whole appeal is kind of that like they're they're these do-it-themselfers and like yeah. it's just at a certain level that's not feasible like you it's can't a, run a, a multi not multi-million like they i don't know how much uh, how you quantify how much money it is but like they run like eight thousand different industries like they have their all their stuff in waco they have all these 
they have a thing with Pier One and Target and so many retail partnerships, and they're doing this thing. Like uh, eventually, you're not you're not doing the Tweeties. Yeah, I mean they they acknowledge some of their other folks on the show from time to time, but I, I guess again where it maybe breaks down a little bit for me is I, I'd wish maybe they were even a little more transparent about that. But yeah, well they can't because they have all the chalkboard paint. Um, <laughs> And at the very, uh, again, Waco Tribune, uh, Discovery Inc. became the parent company of HGTV in March when it bought Scripps Network Interactive, which owned the channel. So there we go. Um, Yeah, yeah. I, I still like them a lot. Oh, of course. Yeah, no, me, yeah. me, me too. But it's tricky. And, and they, they, um, they, they walk a very fine line where it's, it's super hard to um, stay authentic is the wrong word. But like, this happens a lot where something gets big enough and a certain personality gets big enough where it's really hard to maintain a good public image. And especially when your whole thing is that you're not a, you're not a fancy person. What's a better way to phrase that? Like where you're like, like they're super like down to earth is kind of most of their appeal. And I'm sure they still are, but like that's, they're selling that image really well when it, like we've been talking about, it's, it's probably less true than it has. Well, been. well, yeah, but I guess to be fair to them, like one thing that they have really strongly stood by is their connection and roots in Waco. You know, if we mm -hmm. if we started seeing like, you know, Chip and Joanna take over Beverly Hills and like start redesigning celebrity homes, that mm -hmm. that would be probably cause for concern. But you know, is it called Magnolia Cafe? Like yeah, if they opened up a pop up Magnolia Cafe next to Amazon Four Star in Soho in New York. <laughs> then oh, you yeah. know the gains of so the Gaineses have sold out. Exactly. Yeah. So no, I think I think them staying staying close to home and and you know really believing in that community that that goes a long way. I think to show what their you know their true motivations are. Yeah. How many kids do they have? Five. Jeez. Yeah, they just just had their fifth this year. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Again, big knock against Fix Rapper. They allude to having pets and dogs, but they don't. That's that's not nearly enough of the show. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't need to see your kids making like uh, art with crayons for the family you're fixing. I want to see the dogs. <laughs> oh, let's get more dogs. Um, what's the what else? Sorry, I, I need to open this agenda. Uh, do you want to? I mean, do you want to save this this iPad stuff for the end? Do you want to get into it now? What do you want? Oh, are we done with follow up? The, this is the Chip and Joanna stuff. That was the beginning of the the new news, man. Where we're oh, at okay. follow up. Um, I, I I have nothing about iPads, so if, apparently if you do, um, please please do. Sure. So in in between last week's show and this week's show, this was not my plan, but mm. I have over the course of the last week purchased both new iPad Pros, both the. 12.9 or as jason and mike would call it the 13 which i i kind of agree with their logic there but mm, i'm going to continue to call it the 12.9 um, a quick a pause point of pause when yeah, mm -hmm. multiple uh, point of order um do you remember in the old days when there were crt uh crt monitors uh-huh and yeah. there was always the 17 inches 15.9 viewable right that's what I kept thinking of every time people would talk about that. Mm. But anyway, and same thing where the MacBook Air is 13.3 uh, inches, but people always round down and say 13. So I think legally Apple can um, uh, can round up. Uh, I don't know if legally they could, but that's a that's a different topic. 
Um, a funding secured. <laughs> right. Screen size um, assured. So one of the things that I was probably the thing that I was most intrigued by with the new iPads was the idea that the 12.9 inch had been slimmed down to the point where it had become a much more portable and, and to be honest, just kind of usable device. I mean, that that original 12.9, unless you had it stationary at a desk, I just could, really couldn't see any scenario where that would be reasonable to use. But, you know, as someone who's become, I guess, as you would kind of say, enamored by the larger screen sizes and devices over the last mm -hmm. couple of years, like the idea of having a significantly bigger screened iPad was was kind of intriguing. So I went out and bought the the 12.9 iPad Pro and was just like right away really really disappointed with it and like for some obvious reasons and maybe for some less obvious reasons you know the obvious ones being that while it is true that it's significantly smaller than the original 12.9 it is still just absolutely enormous like anytime you're away from a desk and you're just holding it it just it's it's awkward to hold you really can't hold it with one hand and like when you're when you're holding it with two hands, like it it almost feels like your arms are like awkwardly spaced apart. It's just this the experience of of holding it is just it's just not very good, and it's still really really heavy, especially compared to any other size iPad. It's it's just it's just not it's not comfortable to hold. Um, so that you know that was kind of the obvious stuff that I ran into that maybe I should have seen coming and was just kind of wish casting wouldn't be the case. But um, the other big thing, and this is what really kind of just made me want to quit the experiment even sooner than I thought I would, which was none of the software, iOS, third-party apps, anything across the board, really take advantage of the bigger screen. Like the New York Times, the failing New York Times is a really good example of this, where when you're reading an article... Like the article literally is just kind of in the middle of the screen. And then there are these like huge white margins on both sides of the article. So like the extra screen space is just going totally to waste. And again, that that's true pretty much across the board in iOS and across every third-party app that I tried. Like TweetBot, same thing where basically like the entire third or the entire right-hand side of the screen, like a third of the right-hand side of the screen was basically just not used at all so it's like you have all this extra weight and size and it's just you're not really even getting a lot of advantages with it um so all in all it was a a short-lived kind of failed uh experiment uh but i did i returned it and got the 11 inch ipad pro and that i've been really happy with so far um, you know, something we haven't really talked about, I don't think either online or offline is I actually have been using my iPad a lot more. It's, it's been my device of choice on the ferry every day. Um, it's been really, really great for that. So, um, that, that was kind of one of my justifications for, uh, trying out the, the new iPad and it's only been a few days, but, but, uh, so far, uh, the, the 11 inches is, is a pretty, pretty great device, you know? I don't think my 
opinions or anything that nobody else you know, has said to this point. The hardware is great. iOS is still behind. Um, but at least for me so far, the new hardware, uh, kind of, kind of makes it worth it. It's a, it's a really, really sharp device. How'd you get clearance for this? Um, the, uh, the, the lady friend, uh, I kind of walked her through the, the process of me selling my old devices. And so she kind of, kind of liked that. And then, well, I mean, like in general, I sell my old stuff to then upgrade to the new stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also I just always like, appreciated in value. So therefore you made money on the deal. <laughs> um, but then also just the fact that again, like it's just become not obviously like iPhone level use, but just a device that I, that I use a lot more. Yeah. I, hmm. I, I don't want to harsh or mellow or, or that kind of stuff, but yeah, that, hmm. I, to, 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 to red team this a little bit, what I thought the whole point, yeah, I, that the whole point of uh, Big Phone Club or Max Club or Plus Club was that that made it a better reading device, and that for those types of activities, it it was better for that. Like, I, I guess I'm not seeing where um, third device lifestyle to, to like for better readability when you already have a gigantic phone, where that really fits in. Uh, I mean the the experience of looking at an eleven inch screen is still pretty darn different than looking at a six and a half inch screen. So to me, the experience between the two devices isn't super comparable. And while things like video and long form reading are better on the 10s Max than they were on, I think any other previous iPhone, it's still again not the same as on an iPad. So like I've I've kind of transitioned to a point where pretty much any time I'm either on the ferry or at home or and this has kind of always been the case traveling on an airplane, I'm always using an iPad and and not not really my phone. So my phone is when I'm out and about um and then my iPad is kind of for when I'm stationary somewhere. <sighs> Uh, like, I mean, that, that's good. I mean, hmm. so what makes this, be- which iPad did you have previously? The the previous generation iPad Pro, the nine or the, the 10 and a half. Oh, so you already had the true motion one, like the fancy one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guess why bother? Well, I mean, obviously the screen is marginally better and I know you know, a half inch on paper doesn't sound like much, but in use it, it definitely feels like a bigger screen. Um, and just, it's just, it's a, it's just a much nicer feeling device. Like the, the flat edges are great. The smaller bezels are really nice and you're going to really, really hate this part. Face ID works really, really freaking well on the iPad. Better than it has on either of the iPhones I've had with it. It's... Well, so, so, so like sideways follow-out, like uh, on the mega-sized iPad Pro version of Upgrade this week, yeah, uh, Jason brought that up. And, and that's the thing where he, he spoke to some people at Apple and they say, yeah, it's the same hardware. But he's suggesting that it works with an alarming rate of success, whereas the iPhone doesn't. And that 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 seems that seems great, and that takes care of like most of my complaints about, 
like actually on the iPad, I don't think I would mind Face ID as much and losing Touch ID as I do on the phone, just because like the iPhone being down on a desk thing and you just being unable to lo- unlock it is kind of a huge pain in the butt. But yeah, the fact that everybody keeps raving that it's it's really good and reliable on the iPad Pro is really con- not uh, concerning. Is the wrong word, but like, it's, it's super interesting and weird. Yeah, I I wonder if the the A12X is, is part of the story. Although if it was, I don't know why Apple just wouldn't be more transparent about that. Well, but that was one of their um, BS things during the keynote where they said, oh yeah, faster algorithms are available on well, the Well, but 10S. no, that's what, that's what they said about the 10s. not the... They didn't say anything in... Because the, the, you know, the iPhone 10s is the A12 and the I, iPad Pro is the A12X. And they haven't... They didn't say anything about that faster processor having anything to, to do with Face ID and, and making it more capable but whatever it is it's i like it's been to the again small sample size it's only been a few days but i had this happen to me multiple times within the first few days of my 10s max which is you know you get that thing where face id fails the first time but now in ios 12 like it automatically attempts it again with the ipad pro like i haven't even had that happen once like it hasn't even had to go for a second attempt a single time um, it, it, it seems faster. It's way more reliable. Like I just said, um, so that's, that's been kind of a, a huge plus, which I certainly didn't go into thinking would be, um, and I think another big thing too, that I'm finding is now that, you know, the home button's gone, obviously kind of all of the home and other like app switching gestures are all now unified between um my phone and tablet and i that's really nice like going going back and forth between a device that still had the home button versus a device that didn't just never really felt natural and so having two devices now on that same um kind of i don't know ui language whatever whatever we call it um feels nice well that's good yeah i'm um i think i'm gonna i am gonna try and this maybe this can become something we check in on periodically um i do want to try because i i hate on the whole ipad like for work thing a lot and i'm i'm not (laughs) by no means i'm gonna start doing like a majority of my work on the ipad but i am gonna try just little things here and there like i downloaded Microsoft Office, and I'm gonna give that a try, um, and see just kind of like what that's like. I guess I, I feel like if I'm gonna hate on it so much, I should understand exactly what my concerns are instead of just kind of conceptually not liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm gonna kind of put the iPad through different different use cases, and and again, maybe we can kind of check back in on that and, and talk about it on the show over the coming weeks and months as the kind of news of new devices and stuff slows down a bit. Mm -hmm. Would you say that every time you hold the iPad in your hands, it fills you with a childlike wonder? (laughs) I would not say that. No. Hmm. Well, I'm sad for you that you don't get it. Um, yeah, that was a weird tweet. Uh, you can, you can put for the reference, you can put that in the show notes, but yeah, I'm, I'm, hmm, I'm happy for you, but I'm, I, so to to sum it up, you would say it's mostly a reading device. You just find it a more comfortable reading device, and because of your commute, 
you think that's pretty worthwhile to make that the best it can be. Fair? Yeah, I mean, it's, that's not all I use it for. I, I would say that, like, at home, it's my iOS device of choice. So whether it's reading, smart home stuff, checking email, um, checking the news, like whatever I'm kind of, whenever I'm on iOS at home, it's more and more now with the iPad and less on my phone. So if I, like my second screen experience, again, it is you would kind of refer to it as, has become more, more so my iPad now than my phone. Yeah. The one thing I will <clears throat> that I will give the iPad is that it's a very good kitchen computer. Like if you, if you load up uh, paprika on there and the New York times cooking app, it's, it's, it, that's one place where it shines. That's because it's a place where you wouldn't want your MacBook pro. Um, and it totally works. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you see, if you follow MKBHD on Twitter, uh, it's an easiest way to turn your fridge into a smart fridge because of all those magnets. <laughs> But yeah, that's pretty cool. So yeah, anyway, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, okay, I'm coming around. Like I, I, this is neat. Uh, pl- please keep us informed on how that works. Um, yeah, I just, I, I've been super pessimistic about it, and the, and kind of just like the glut of reviews, just occupying like literally the entire past two weeks of technology podcasts has probably made, <laughs> since you're the tail end of that, has made me more negative about it. But I guess. How do you feel about a device that's objectively really, really, really powerful, but in a lot of widely acknowledged ways seems to be very mismatched with the current version of iOS? Yeah, I mean, that's that's both my disappointment with this device, and it, it's been my disappointment for a while now with the watch. And the the watch, it hits home a little more closely because that's a device that I do truly use a ton every day. And it now, even more so than ever, has super, super capable hardware. And the software just continues to lag behind. Getting better, but not where it needs to be. And the iPad is certainly that way too. And I think, you know, Jason's summary of, of the kind of evolution of the iPad OS has, was, was really good this week where... It really wasn't until a couple of years ago where it kind of like dawned on Apple, like, oh, shoot, we can't just make iOS exactly the same across iPad and iPhone. And, you know, I think now that they've arrived at a point where they have this uber capable hardware, the all those years that they weren't working on the software have like really, really caught up to them now. And it's it's going to take it's going to take another year or two to at least i think to to catch up like i i know there's probably some hope and some wishing that like ios 13 is going to come out in june and kind of like solve a lot of these ipad problems like my kind of early prediction here is that it, it will solve some maybe but things like a full file system with you know support for external storage and all of that like i I don't think that's coming in iOS 13. And German had a, a cryptic tweet about that too. Something along the lines of by the time we get a lot of the things that people are asking for in their iPad pro reviews, we will have already gotten another revision of the hardware. And he's again, he's pretty plugged in on this stuff. So I think, I think that's probably right. And that's, and, and that's, you know, that's disappointing. So can I, can I ask a dumb question where, uh, 
if we look at the quarterly results that they reported um, a couple of weeks ago, where the iPad, I think, was maybe 7 or 9% of total revenue, it feels like for a lot of the stuff to make the iPad more than just a consumption device. And because, like, it is a very comfortable reading and consumption device. And, and for a lot of people like that, the, the single app at a time kind of uh, condensed focus of the product is, is one of its advantages. Do you honestly, like, do you think Apple is willing to make that much of an investment in kind of flushing out what um, the iPad side of iOS needs to be when you look at that compared to the 60% or whatever of the revenue that the iPhone makes? Because like the hardware, like, cause that's been the common complaint where the hardware is, is top notch and the, the custom processors that Apple makes through like the acquisition of PA semi they did where that's really paying off and that the a 12 like X is really making people think, Hey, eventually if Apple still cares about Macs, like that's totally going to make their switch to arm super easy. Cause like the hardware is just so damn good. But based off of unit sales and um, like share of revenue, do, do you think Apple can actually justify putting in the effort to flush out the capabilities and the software stack on um, iPad compared to just trying to make iOS 13 the best they can for phones? I think they will because I think looking much, much longer term, call it a five to 10 year kind of horizon. I think like the iPad is going to be a transition type of device to whatever kind of Apple is working on next. You know, their, their next big thing, as you would say. Um, like, I don't think, I don't think the Mac is really going to lead them down a road to, to what's next. I think the iPad's far more likely to do that. So I think they're in a mode now where, by pushing the iPad forward, they learn a lot. And I think that's that's valuable. But, but do you think the next big thing is more iPad-like or Mac-like? Because like I, I, I strongly, strongly refute the idea that a compelling productivity device is ever going to run iOS. Like, I just think it's just too much of a phone based, like, and, and that's the, exactly the thing where you were talking about, like, when you look at Iowa, when you look at the 13 inch, that's when it's even more glaring, where like a lot of it is just so barren and empty. And it is no matter what multitasking features they try to shoehorn onto it, it's still, it's, it seems in so many ways as something that is just a blown up phone. I'm not, and I'm not saying like that's like the iPad's a big phone. But a lot of the software stuff, when you get like deeper down into it, so much of it is basically just the same phone software. So I don't think the next big thing is going to run iOS, but I think whatever Apple's next major operating system is, is going to be a lot similar to iOS than it is macOS. Do you think it's a fork or like, do, do you think it's... Do you, the next big thing, do you think it's still going to be, will it be distinct from uh, from the phone software? Yeah. So it's not, I don't think, so in the way that, well, at the time it was iPhone OS, but mm -hmm. at the time that was introduced, there was the the famous line of, you know, this is OS 10 in your pocket. Like the, the underlying code base was OS 10, or at least that was how they looked at it from like a marketing perspective. 
I don't think whatever Apple is working on next is going to be framed that way. If they're they're not going to get on stage and say the underlying pinnings of this new OS is iOS. I think that it'll be something totally different that will, of course, have inspirations from what they've done in iOS, but will not be thought of as being kind of a extension of what they've done before. Okay, so so putting your Craig figure a Federighi hat on. Like, do you think, I don't know, like, I, I just, would you say, like, the same super intuitive but also simplistic um, iPad software is going to actually, like, be as extensible, uh, extensible or, like, like, focused as the Mac? Like, I guess I don't, you think the next thing that they do will scale all the way up from a user who just wants to use the device to use Safari and um, read iBooks all the way to people who need to program software, edit a podcast, use Lightroom, and do all that kind of stuff. Like, you you think those would be exactly the same code bases? No, not necessarily. Um, and I don't, like, I don't know if that's necessarily the right way to look at it, because, like, if if... I don't know if this is what you're implying, but if you would say that like that's what Mac OS is today, like I would I would probably push back on that a little bit because if 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 you're truly someone who literally just wants Safari and like the ability to watch iTunes videos and some Netflix, like I don't think a Mac is the best device for you. Like you probably would be better off with iOS. In the way no, that's what I'm saying. Like where like a lot of the stuff that you talk about, like where you where you get a lot of value from the iPad. It's not because you're sitting there with the Apple Pencil drawing in um, Procreate and stuff like that. Like you're doing more consumption-based activities where you're reading the New York Times, you're maybe browsing email, maybe just quickly previewing a PDF attachment, and you're just browsing the web and reading tweets. Fair? Yeah, totally fair. Yeah, like so I guess like when you say like what what is the next evolution of iPad or like touch Apple device software, do you think the next version of that will scale up from tasks and I don't mean this in a bad way like like that are as simplistic and straightforward as that versus what the Mac can currently do where you can develop software on it and do complex media tasks that involve network media and SD cards and all this other kind of stuff and where you can do multiple just like all that kind of stuff do you think that's the same software no I, I I think it's more likely that maybe iOS sticks around in its current form or becomes something different. And then what we think of today is like their main computer operating system, Mac OS, becomes something different. I don't I don't think Apple's ever gonna get to the point where they just have a single OS for all their devices. I mean never never say never, but I I, I don't think that's the way they're going. Yeah, well, I, I agree. But what I'm saying is that where you suggest that the, the iPad probably gets a rethink for more complex um, workflows and stuff like that and, and kind of moving beyond um, maybe something that's showing its uh, like its breaking point as how far a an operating system that was designed for a phone being used on screens up to 13 inches now is, is problematic, is does that basically become to encompass everything that mac os does as well or is mac os just a thing they just keep doing forever i think in the 
near like the medium to long term future, Mac OS is way more likely to get replaced than iOS is. And I think I think the learnings of how to go about that are going to be influenced a lot more by a device like an iPad than a MacBook Air. Yeah, I I I, I would disagree strongly, but yeah, that's I I just don't see that. I I just yeah I don't I don't think there's a device that can can function for this that can still be reasonably usable for the stuff that you want to do on it. And the stuff that would replace what a lot of people who maybe write the software that runs on the iPad would do with it. Well, I know I, I've I mean, I've alluded to this a handful of times, and it 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 kind of has a lame conclusion because I because I don't know what the answer is, but just like the th- the theory that I have is like and the the big thing that holds iOS back, of course, are the the things like supporting external storage and and all of that, but. To me, the thing that actually holds me back more on iOS is just the input method. Just touch. Mm-hmm. Touch is just not, it's not as um, efficient as a keyboard and mouse is. Like, I'm so much quicker at the most simple tasks to more complex tasks with a keyboard and mouse than I am with touch. It's, it's a lot like, I'll give you a gaming analogy because I know you like those. It's mm-hmm. it's the same thing when you compare PC gaming versus consoles. Like it's becoming a little more common now, but like it used to be um especially with like first person shooters, developers would completely segregate their PC customers from their console customers because if they played each other online, the PC gamers would just totally blow everybody away on the console side because a keyboard and mouse was just a much more tactile way of uh, controlling those games than a, than a you know a controller on a console is, and I, I feel the same way about touch on iOS versus my keyboard and Mac key, keyboard and mouse on <laughs> on my Mac. Um, so that to me, like whatever Apple's going to do next, like their their next big thing again, as, as you say over and over again, no, um, <laughs> I, the method of input is is what's got to change. Like, there's got to be something beyond touch and that that's that i I think again this is the this is the lame part now like whatever they come up with there that's what i think is going to make a next generation os make sense i i think i think you and jason are wrong like because what you're because what you're lobbying for like putting words in your mouth is like you you want the jason snell iPad laptop. No, no, no. Not I completely the opposite of that. No. Well, isn't, isn't that what I, he's I com- arguing for? Which is which is like basically like a, a MacBook Air, but that happens to run iOS that, no, that but, solves but his, your input problem. No, not at all. A combination of a keyboard and mouse with a touchscreen does not solve it at all. Like I I'm again, I'm thinking beyond touch. I don't know if that's <laughs> Oh, like I don't, I don't, I don't know. I know again. This sounds lame. I don't know if it's augmented reality. I don't, I don't know what it is. But you're, you're arguing for, you're lobbying for the Hololens. I mean, ish. Like, I like because I understand this is hard, and I, and I'm not trying to pigeonhole you into like being some type of like futurist and in in answering everything about all things. But like, you re- like the the reason the keyboard and mouse is stuck around for so long is that it's good. Like touch can be involved, but like I, I don't think we're like, like we're not gonna. This isn't gonna be like Minority Report, and and we're gonna be like commanding Excel 
pivot tables and stuff like with with gestures like i well, don't so, i mean so what are we going to be using the magic keyboard till the end of time i mean it's probably you know, I, <laughs> I get that a mouse and keyboard are tried and true and I, i'm i'm not suggesting they're going away tomorrow but that's not that's not going to be what we use forever I, and, and 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 also i don't think having this big thing of glass that we tap on with our fingers. I don't think that's going to be what we have forever either. Well, sure. But so, so man, this is, this is turning into a very different conversation than you buying a magnet iPad. Um, uh, I, yes, but like, but that's the thing where like, if you, if you, if we think about pre iPhone days and we, and you think about the days when the people who wanted the internet on a phone had the trio 650 and people thought, you know what? The way we're going to use this is we're going to have a really, really low resolution, kind of crappy computer or, or like phone that mimics a computer and has this resistive touchscreen and has a stylus. And you know, this is the best we can do. Like, I agree that that's, that was the wrong way to think about it. And that the iPhone changed all that where it thought, you know what, like, you know what, we can make touchscreens that are actually usable. And for this particular application, keeping in mind that we live in a world where a lot of people are still going to use traditional computers, like it's better. And I think that's that's true, and that and that's how um, input paradigms change over time, and that's where I think over time, when you think of voice assistants and um, speech recognition and things like that, where that eventually will get better, where a lot of tasks where you maybe would have, like you'd place a bunch of orders, like I, I know, ordering stuff off Amazon using the Echo family of products is is probably not what most people are doing and even like i'm a nerd I'm, i don't trust that kind of stuff i'm not going to use that yet but once voice computing becomes a thing i think there's a lot of tasks that people would have used um, either a traditional computer or an ipad for that'll be something that they are more comfortable doing and that's going to be a shift in the way that we use a certain type of technology but like i i don't see where the type of tasks that people are doing, like manipulating data sets and using Excel and, and doing like involved creative work. Like, I don't really see how that transitions into being some type of like gestural AR voice experience. I think there's a lot of things that I think there's a lot of tasks that are um, changeable and can be molded to new input methods and new types of devices. Like that's the stuff like calendar contacts, email, web browsing, a lot of the core stuff that's on every single device these days, those are things that are just so generic that it's easy to adapt those to different things. And sure, the devices that we use will get better just because those are such generic uses. Whereas everything else is the stuff that I, maybe I'm just thinking really small, but I, I don't see where somebody's going to invent something that's just like, oh, well, how are we still using these archaic input methods? Because sometimes that's just what you need to do. Yeah, I I don't know that 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 whole that whole argument sounds like the why would you ever need more than 128 megs of RAM? It's not. No, I need more RAM. <laughs> well, but it, but it, you get what I'm saying. Like I just I don't know that I I, I don't I don't saying that you're thinking small is I think a little dismissive. I, I don't I don't think I want to put it that way. I I just think that you're you're thinking within the context of kind of like w what we consider to be options today and what i'm saying is that i just and it's, it's a total cop-out like i, I admit so, to so, that uh, but well, yeah so after after this i will let you off the hook but like i, I it really basically you're being like i'm thinking small because of something i haven't thought of yet is probably better well that's that's the evolution of all people all the time 
Like, give me an example of something that allows you that would allow you to do your job on a non computer, or like on on a, on a not Mac. Maybe maybe this is something that we can agree upon. How about this? Which is, I don't by any means think that like the future of mainstream computing is going to be a device like the iPad. I don't think there's any. I don't think there's any chance. I don't think there's going to be some next generation iPad Pro running iOS 15 that all of a sudden now can do everything that a Mac can do. I just I think there is a zero percent chance of that ever happening. But what I do think is, as we move forward, as operating systems and as the hardware around them evolve, those pieces of software and that hardware is going to look a lot more like the iPad. Like we'll look back 10 years from now and look at the devices we're using and think that they were influenced a lot more by this iPad pro than they were by the new Mac mini that was released or the Mac new MacBook air that was released. That, that, that's what I'm saying. Uh, I think that's a really safe call because <laughs> I think what you're saying is that Microsoft has the answer. No, I no. That's that that's that's the Jason Snell thing, which I'm saying is not that. See, to to me, that's thinking too limited as well. Like just slapping a Mac hardware shell around the iPad, I think is is kind of silly. Like I I get he he wants that device, and if that works for him, that's great. But I I, I don't think that's where things are going. I promise, eventually, I will let this topic die. But like, if Apple put their minds to it and like their whole ass into it. And they tried to make a Microsoft surface that ran something that ran a touch friendly version of OS 10. Wouldn't that be amazing? Like, I guess like I like, I'm just not like, I, I do think there are better input methods than keyboard and mouse. And there's a lot of ways where, um, OS 10 could be made more lightweight and that kind of stuff. And could maybe move closer to an iPad but also maintain a lot of the power that a, what people what people sort of more like us would consider like a, an actual computing device versus where the iPad right now is like cuz like and that's the thing where the iPad like it makes certain applications that are tedious and difficult to do like drawing and certain types of artwork creation like the iPad is a billion times better than the Mac that doing that but there's also a ton of other things where it's a billion times worse and i don't think the input methods are really going to change that so if there was just like yeah a mac surface like you you don't like you know you have you ever played with the surface studio the microsoft one the 27 inch one no have you ever seen one or have you looked yes. at one on the internet i've 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 seen one like at a microsoft store but i've never gone up and used it like you don't think that form factor like whatever like if apple actually cared about that type of thing because, like, that's the thing. I, like, I know you don't listen to ATP, but, like, Syracuse is always talking about, like, like I want one day for them to make, like, an absolutely massive iPad and go from there as to what that can actually be. Like, like an iPad that's, like, that big. I think, like, those are the interfaces and types of things. Like, I think computing is just as time goes on and as things change, like you're talking about, it's that computing devices become super capable at all screen sizes. That if you have a four and a half inch phone... You can do legitimate stuff on it. If you have an 11-inch tablet, that's an awesome e-reader size, and you can also do some other stuff. And if you want to do, like, loops and GarageBand, like, that's cool, too. And if you have, like, a 15-inch MacBook Pro 
or a 27-inch 5K iMac, you know what? For a lot of things, touch can be involved too. And eventually, Siri will get a successor that stinks way less. Like All of those things will come together to make a more enriching and successful computer experience. But I still think for a hell of a lot of it, it's still going to involve a keyboard and mouse. I think we should agree to end it there. (laughs) (laughs) I will take that as meaning I'm right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What else you got? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have any any, uh, uh, easy listening topics? uh, The only only two things that I have, I mean, both of which are not going to be any more positive, unfortunately, is is the Disney Plus stuff and the Amazon HQ2 stuff. I, is that I, literally all we have? <laughs> yeah, that, that's thing. That, that's kind of all I've got. Uh, let me. Yeah, okay, that is all we got. Ah, poop. Um, I don't like either of those. Okay, let's let's. Okay, let's talk about Disney Plus. What's going to be on Disney Plus? So, so Disney's buying. Disney owns everything already, and they and they're buying most of the of the good meaty parts of uh, 21st Century Fox. And as we've learned via Pixar's Instagram, the cool kids call that 21CF. So what's on Disney Plus? Is it like the Disney Channel on steroids? Or like, does it encompass all the stuff that's on ABC? Like, what is Disney Plus? I think the Disney Channel on steroids is actually probably a fairly apt description I, the, the name tells us a lot actually it's a dumb name but i think it is actually fairly informative which is disney's not going to try to make an all-encompassing platform that somehow tries to combine both a live action star wars show with a with an r-rated deadpool sequel like that's not they're not going to go down that road i think they're going to end up in a, a scenario where all the mature content that they've gotten from Fox is going to end up being on either Hulu or some offshoot of Hulu or, or, or something like that. And that Disney plus is going to literally be, so there's, you know, there's these what five logos at the bottom of this um, kind of teaser image of Disney plus. Like, I think that's literally what you're going to get. Disney, Pixar, Marvel, Star Wars, National Geographic. And that's, all you're going to see on there which is not i guess maybe that sounds a little demeaning i mean it's not because that's (laughs) it's going to be a lot of content but like that's going to be the scope you know no no more no less so i guess why is this compelling like like because like people talk about this in a really reverential and like an exciting way where like this doesn't seem because like disney owns just so much content and this does not and i and i don't mean that it has to be a competitor to netflix but like netflix on its own is a fairly comprehensive source of entertainment regardless of who you are if you have kids if you're if you love documentaries if you like uh like action movies like it, like they, there's something for everybody whereas this just seems like it's a fairly narrow probably family centric um uh, like uh, like bundling of existing content, and sure they're going to they're gonna, well, they're no, gonna, they're no, gonna no, pull no, like well because yeah they're going to make a, a from what I've heard they're going to make a a spinoff of a prequel of a prequel of of something about Han Solo, 
So there's going to be, it's going to be kind of like a CBS All Access thing where there's one or two original things. Kind of like ESPN no, Plus. I, that, that's, I, no way, man. There's going to be, there's going to be a ton of new content on this thing. And it, it's going to be the one and only place. I mean, I guess unless you want to actually purchase, it's going to be the one and only place to watch a lot of the existing content. This is the, this is the Nintendo model, right? Where they kind of have a small number of, very, very successful franchises. But the reason that Nintendo as a company is successful is because literally the only place you can play them, with the exception of a lame iOS game, is on Nintendo hardware. And the only place you're going to be able to get all this Disney content, both old and new, is going to be on this one platform. Uh, yeah, but I, I I guess for just a lot of... Like, I, I, I'm not seeing what makes this... Where, where where this has to be a must subscribe for most people. Well, but, but well, no. I I think the one of the issues here is that this is not a must subscribe for you because the majority of what's going to be on here with this Marvel and Star Wars stuff just doesn't apply to anything that you're going to be interested in. Whereas, like, I'm the total opposite. Where like, <laughs> even if it was just Star Wars stuff that was exclusive on here, I'm going to subscribe so I can see it because I'm a huge Star Wars fan. And I think that's, you know, that that's going to be the motivation of a lot of people. Yeah, but like, isn't that something where you, you, you've you watched it and you're probably done watching it for a while? Like, I mean, you, like once you've seen all the Star Wars movies, I know they're releasing one every nine to 18 months or whatever. But like, well, but there's going to I mean, there's going to be multiple, eventually multiple original Star Wars TV shows on here, too. And I'm, I mean, assuming they're good, which I generally have faith in Disney. I think they will be. Um, I'm going to want to see that stuff. I mean, the, the reach, I mean, you, if you think about, like, look, if you think about Disney, Pixar, Marvel, and Star Wars, and then you add in, I guess, kind of like the PG-13 and, and below Fox content that they're acquiring, if you if you add all that together, I mean, I obviously haven't done any, like, 538 type of analysis here, but, like, I bet if you look at, like, the last handful of years and you look at, like, the top 50 um, like the biggest earners at the box office, I I bet I bet that's probably like eighty to ninety percent. Okay, so I, I I guess to reframe my complaint here is that like I just I'm not seeing a lot of new content here. Like that that's a thing where 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 Hulu and Hulu and Netflix are constantly churning out new things with like new originals. Whereas sure, if I get if I get access to Pixar's back catalog, great. But once I've watched them, is that something I want to keep subscribing to? This thing is still a year away before even being out there in any form. And so between now and when it originally launches and then the next year or two thereafter, I think we're going to see a ton of original content. So why are Disney, not, not to make you Bob Iger, but like, shouldn't ESPN plus be rolled into this? Like that would make this more compelling. My guess is that it eventually will be. Okay, because like, if because I I get why they want to they like why they would want to use Hulu as like a strategic instrument, like to have the content that they don't want that even though they they profit from, they don't want to make it part of their core brand and have it under like a a a first like uh, like a Disney owned and operated like label name and that kind of stuff like that makes sense but they there has to be a more compelling reason to spend 13 dollars a month or however much the stuff is going to cost and i think the all the sports assets they have would help a lot with that 
Because otherwise, like a bunch of back catalog stuff is, is less exciting for a lot of people. If I, I just, I don't, I don't think that's going to be what it is, man. I don't think it's going to be a, just a bunch of back catalog stuff. I think there's going to be a ton of new content they put on this thing. I mean, they, they've already, I mean, just, just now being a year out, there's something like three or four Marvel projects that we know about. There's two Star Wars projects that we know about. The television or movies? TV. Hmm. Um, there's inevitably going to be either Pixar movies, like or probably not full length movies, but at least shorts or maybe even series that are going to be exclusive to this platform. Like there's going to be a ton of stuff that Disney puts on this thing. So if that's the case, then it's totally worth it. But I guess like the Netflix comparison is probably wrong, but I guess how I, how I would reframe it is that I would compare it to H to a family friendly HBO now. And I guess like I'm just not getting the vibe that there's going to be the same level of maybe three to four can always concurrent new shows being released on it. Oh, I think there's going to be there's going to be there's going to be dozens of new shows, (laughs) concurrent shows released on this thing. Not not day one, but like going forward, this is going to be the way that you consume new Disney content. Mm -hmm. Dozens of them. Yeah. Um okay that 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 makes more sense. Again the name is still not great but that's that's fine. Um yeah, but you know what's something that I've really come to realize with with all this stuff like whether it's the Nintendo Wii or I mean even like the iPad, like all these names that are really dumb and we get really hung up on like initially they just they fade away into the background and then you just don't really think about them. So like Two years from now, when there's the popular new Star Wars show on Disney Plus, like nobody's nobody's gonna, including me, is gonna be thinking about the name of the service. No, like, well, you're totally you're 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 half you're half right. Like, where I would think, like, mo- at that point, people will say, like, yeah, just it, it's it's on the Disney app, and and that that'll be totally sufficient. Like, I, I think that's totally true. What I will say is that, like, I you, I would just expect more from disney where it wasn't going to be a disney like because there were three like if you think of what could be the three lamest or most boring names of this it would either be disney now disney go or disney plus and i don't know like like disney is really good with naming and that kind of stuff like the disney fast pass that's that's an amazing uh name for a concept that's kind of weird where disney plus just a little bit oh um that's fine (sighs) All right, then HQ2, everybody's mad, and everybody probably has their own individual reason for being mad, and that's great. Yeah, I guess my my big my big takeaway from all this is it just kind of feels like everybody got duped. Like, oh, you cities, betcha. the media, everybody got roped into what basically just became a big Amazon infomercial and something that I hadn't really considered along the way, but it's kind of come out since, like, a way for Amazon to get a ton of proprietary data on a handful of cities across the country. I I assume a lot of that was stuff they already had just based off all the, like the customer data and that kind of stuff where they can match that up to like things to get a view of the, um, the local population in terms of like income and that kind of stuff. But no, yeah, you, you are right where they got it handed to them. Like, like they got like a bunch, like they got 500 people to give them, individualized business plans of like here's here's our strengths and weaknesses as a landmass um yeah 
Yeah, it's rough. And, you know, I, I, the more that I read about cities and states spending billions of dollars to lure companies into their jurisdictions, frequently at the detriment of other states or areas, just it seems like a really, really inefficient way to be spending state resources and, you know, directly investing those same funds into, say, infrastructure or education seems like it would be a just a much better use of that money. Well, and specifically with the Amazon example, like if you can, like if you look at how they've dealt with the city of Seattle specifically, like you already know what kind of company they were. So that's, that's, it kind of seems like they, they were sort of asking for it. But yeah, that's the whole thing where tax incentives and all that kind of stuff is where companies will move state lines for very little reason. And the net tax benefit to a state is, is, is marginal or a lot of times negative. Well, and that, that was what I was going to say too, is like, this to me is like comparable to the Olympics where <laughs> it's always like, a bad investment. Yeah. Cities and countries trip over themselves fighting to be able to host the Olympics frequently with the promise of this is going to bring renewed tourism interest and increased investment. And it never, ever pans out. And I mean, we're seeing it here in our backyard in San Francisco, where, you know, tax, tax breaks were given to companies like Zanga and Twitter. And none of that's worked out. I mean, the, the areas around like those two companies, as an example, have certainly not improved. And this, I mean, the city in general, I don't think is in any better place than it was prior to those companies, you know, keeping their headquarters here. So it's it's just, there's a lot of promise, but not a lot of uh, results. I would agree, sort of, but I think a lot of that gets kind of bunched up unfairly with a lot of stuff where, like, Mid market, mid market is a really complicated problem uh, to solve, and you can't really. Th- well, but but that's but that was the pitch. But the, but the, but no, I'm I'm not saying that they should be the solution. But I'm saying that the justification for the tax brace is explicit explicitly by bringing these companies into this neighborhood, we're going to be able to solve all these other problems. Like I I don't think that's the right way to think about it. But that's that's the pitch, and that's the problem. But that's just as much the city's fault as the company's fault. Oh, it, it, no, it, I'm, I was, I, I didn't mean to imply that I was pointing the finger at like Twitter. I, you're, you're a thousand percent right. But that's, that's the false promise that these, you know, these tax breaks are justified with. Yeah. You know, what's always a good investment. Military parade. <laughs> or, you know, or, or sending the troops to the Southern border. Moving right along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, actually, a uh, quick question, or th- maybe you can clear this up for me. What happened to my middle class tax break? Oh, the one that you were supposed to get before the election? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it was 10%. Hmm. I, I don't know. You have to check with uh, Paul Ryan on that. Can I just say Ryan's paying? <laughs> <laughs> or can I just say, like, send the bill to all birds? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. All uh, right. Chef special? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. So I've got a ultra specific, but I just think <laughs> really, really cool little thing. It's this is not a, like a specific product per se. Um, it's the iRobot 
lady in a can skill. Uh-huh. So the the lady friend and I, we recently bought um a Roomba uh for the house here. Is that we had bought a kind of like a really inexpensive one in our apartment, but now <laughs> with dog hair and the rest, we needed a uh, a Roomba that was capable of handling that and basically all of the modern Roombas come with Lady in a Can integration. You know, as much as I love my smart home stuff, I I was not specifically seeking this out, but it's just it basically you just you just get it bundled. Um and it's, you know, it is 1000% unnecessary and doesn't really make anything easier per se uh with operating the vacuum, but man is it like freaking cool and and probably like the coolest voice activated thing i've ever done where you can just say hey lady in a can ask roomba to start cleaning and then you know 15 seconds later you hear the vacuum start cleaning in the other room and another cool little touch is you can name the roombas and when you ask (laughs) the lady in a can to start cleaning it says okay I've asked, and then instead of just saying Roomba, it actually says the name of your vacuum to start cleaning, and that's that's pretty darn neat. And you're gonna totally not say what yours is named? Oh no, ours is named. I mean, you're not gonna get it because you haven't seen this movie, but it's named Blue, which is uh, the one of the raptors in Jurassic World. <laughs> you you were right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my immediate thought was the dog from the children's TV show. Like, nope. <laughs> nope. 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 Uh, what's the name of uh, Jeff Goldblum's character? Uh, Ian, Ian Malcolm. Is he in the new ones? He, well, he's, he's technically in the newest one, which is the sequel to Jurassic World. But he, to say that he plays a, a bit part is probably actually doing it too much justice. Got it. All right. I have one uh, one jokey pick and one regular pick. So first one, Guy Fieri. He's he's uh, he 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 makes it really hard to dislike him. Yeah, he's great. <laughs> I'm not sure that's always been your position. No, um, it it totally has. Guy's awesome. You love donkey sauce. I mean. I mean, I don't love all the food he creates, but I mean, the guy was out there cooking food for first responders during the fires last year. He's he's a great guy, and so he did that again this year. Like, so if if, to put to place this episode in time, California is is very very much on fire on on both ends of the state right now. And yeah, Guy Fieri went out to uh, Butte County and cooked for a bunch of first responders, and 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 that's 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 pretty great. And he's got a sense of humor about himself, and it, he, it makes him very, very difficult to... Yeah, I mean, that that's another big thing with him, is he is very, very self-aware, which I, I appreciate. What was the thing from a couple of weeks ago where he was on the sidelines of, like, a Patriots game or something? Oh, yeah, he was, and it there was the the meme going around on Twitter of who was the uh, the greatest of all time, or the, the goat, you know, as, as you say, uh, between him what? and Brady. <laughs> Oh come on, the, you the you what? know you know this. Don't don't act like you don't. No, no, what, what, say it again. The greatest of all time, which people have turned into the acronym GOAT. So if you refer to someone as the GOAT, 
it's it's the the cool way of saying they're the greatest of all time. Okay, all right, that sounds vaguely familiar. Okay, and then my my actual pick is I said that was that was a real pick, but that was that was a very minor one. Um, this also uh, oddly has to do with um, uh, the Echo family of products. Have do you have an Echo in the bedroom? Yes. Uh, is it on like a bedside thing or something like on a dresser? It's a an Echo Dot on the bedside table. Yeah. So have you enabled or tested out Whisper Mode yet? No. You should give it a shot. You can only enable it by asking the Echo to turn on Whisper Mode. But it's really it it's oddly cool where basically you can uh, as long as you speak to the Echo in a in, like, in a whispered tone, it will reply back to you in a whispered tone. So if you uh, like want to turn on or off the lights or set an alarm, but it's like super late at night, you can just whisper to it and it will whisper right back, which is, which is really neat where sometimes you give a command and then it says, okay. In like a really, really loud voice. And sometimes that's a little bit jarring. So very minor, but pretty, pretty neat. Yeah. I've been meaning to try that out, but just haven't, I guess, really had a specific use case for it. Yeah. Also, yeah, uh, follow-up mode is worthwhile so that the, the Echo knows that you thanked it. Because, <laughs> I mean, that's especially for you, that if, when, it, when it summons your robot vacuum cleaner to go do your bidding, you have to say thank you. Well, and especially around this time of year with, you know, Thanksgiving and all. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you betcha. Yeah. What are you, what are you getting? What do you, when do you get the voice assistant that has everything? More data and tax breaks. 